Welcome back everyone once again to another week of the Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host for this week, Myrna, from the Church of the Dormition of the Theotokos in New South Wales. This week we have another great lineup of speakers, topics and spiritual enrichment. First up, we will be joined by the lovely Khuriya Jamila Zgheb, who will be continuing on the series of The Church at Home. This will then be followed by readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series. We will then conclude this week's episode with a reading from Everyday Saints and Other Stories. Take it away, Khuriya. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. I would like to thank our Father and Shepherd, Sayyidina Basilios, for giving the clergy wives this opportunity to share our experiences and welcome you into our homes. My name is Khuriya Jimila Zgheb, wife of Father Isaac Zgheb from St. Mary's Church of the Demission in Mount Pritchard, New South Wales. When I was asked to do this podcast, I felt honoured but at the same time I was afraid of the challenge as I could be hypocritical because I too struggle with raising my kids. Although I am not an ideal example of perfect parenting, I hope that this will help other parents who can relate to the parenting struggles of everyday life as it has helped me. Today I will be discussing how we can apply aspects of the Antiochian Orthodox faith and practice in your home more specifically when parenthood becomes challenging. As Antiochian Orthodox Christians, we are reminded to be patient and kind. But when one comes home from a full day of work, patience is spent and exhaustion overwhelms us. Just the thought of homework with the kids, cooking dinner, bathing the little ones, cleaning up and putting them to bed seems an excruciating chore. All of this combined with a mom. Dad, I have decided that today I don't like gusa anymore. As you stare at that pot of gusa simmering on the stove, you begin to simmer yourself in a vulnerable state of frustration, anger and impatience. All you want to do is scream. Screaming is not an effective form of communication. It does not benefit anyone. As St. Porfirio states, you do not become holy by fighting evil. Let evil be. Look towards Christ and that will save you. What makes a person saintly is love. I hope that the following points will be useful tools to help parents resist the temptation of anger and yelling at the misbehaviour of your kids or simply kids being kids. The first step is not to bring work into the home. Leave work problems at work as the home should remain a safe and peaceful place. 
when anxieties from work are brought into the home, we as parents are already setting ourselves up for failure. Before getting home, give yourself five minutes in the car to calm your thoughts, listen to chants or something that calms you, and loosen up. Cross yourself and make your way into the house with a refreshed and new attitude. Because when we walk into that house, the kids are expecting a happy, ready-to-go parent. They are excited to see us, and all they want is a hug or to tell us about their day. They are completely oblivious and won't fully comprehend the complexities of your work life. Secondly, we need to be an example for our children. They mirror everything we say and do. And as for some of us, we have discovered this the hard way. Whoops. Children are very observant and understand more than you think. They observe how parents speak and communicate with one another and how parents respond to their siblings. Using words of endearment, having respect and patience for one another is a good first step. St. Porphyrios says, What saves and makes for good children is the life of the parents in the home. The behaviour of the children is directly related to the state of the parents. In his book, Parenting Toward the Kingdom, Dr. Philip Mamalaka says, Children learn by how we live, how we relate to them, and what we say. We must constantly remind and check ourselves as parents by assessing ourselves and our behaviour. Ask ourselves, was that an appropriate way to react or respond? We must consider what kind of adult we want our children to be and imitate that concept in our own actions. Thirdly, parents must avoid arguing in front of their children. If there is a disagreement that cannot be resolved discreetly or calmly, then it should be discussed later on. But in the meantime, agree to disagree and support one another in that moment. Husband and wife are one. The wife or husband should not put each other down. Parenting is not a competition of who can be better. We must humble in ourselves and in our actions. St. Paisios says, God wants only one thing from us. Humility. Nothing else. Later on, when the kids are asleep, or you find a private space to discuss your point of view quietly to create solutions and work towards an end goal. Unfortunately, all families are busy and sometimes too busy to enjoy the good stuff. Next thing we know, we are celebrating our firstborn's 10th birthday and then waving them off to high school in a blink of an eye. We think to ourselves, I wish I had more time. Only if time just slowed down. It's never too late to slow down. Small moments like making a conscious effort to have dinner together at a table, any table, or have a little picnic even in the house and talk about everyone's day, good and bad. The TV must be off. No screens. A senior Huriye said once, never take your devices to dinner. They are not part of your family. Icons in the home are important for so many reasons, as icons can be referred to in so many moments, to give thanks, to ask for help, and to pray for someone. Icons can be hung on walls or gathered to make a prayer corner. Every home should have a prayer corner, a place where you can light a candle or an oil lamp, and thank God for all he has given us, and to ask for help and guidance when we are struggling. 
Seidna Basilios reminded us once that children learn to pray at home, the little church, before they go to pray at church. Icons, when placed around the home, create a warm and peaceful space. When a parent is struggling and tempted to react, all they need to do is look up and the icon is a reminder that Christ is always there to help us. Those few seconds of asking for guidance allows the parents to process their emotions and be proactive, not reactive. Icons of your children's patron saint placed in their bedrooms is ideal as kids watch their parents pray and venerate icons when in need. They too will learn and mirror that behaviour. Children will then learn naturally and develop a habit to pray to their patron saint when they cannot sleep, have a disagreement with their sibling or pray for guidance when they're trying to study. Bedtime can be a real struggle and when the sun starts to set and as the clock ticks, the parent within us thinks, yes, it's time. The time to put them to bed and you can finally sit down, watch telly or read a book with a cup of tea at hand. But when the kids start to resist and become more unsettled, it is easy to become frustrated and want to yell and scream, just go to bed. This is where patience is essential. It is the home stretch of the day. Praying together as a family before bed creates a calmness in the house, saying the Our Father or using the Archdiocese Family Prayer Book for prayers before sleep creates unity within the family. This is a wonderful time for us as parents to chant the seasonal troparian with them, like Christ is risen from the dead, to teach our children how to cross themselves and the meaning of why we position our fingers the way we do. These small acts of patience and praying as a family is a form of love, love towards our family and towards Christ, which all bring us closer to his kingdom. When children are complaining of difficulty sleeping, having nightmares, or when scary thoughts are keeping them up, they look to the parent for help and guidance. Although exhausted and at your wit's end, you must persevere and pray with them. Teach them to listen to chants before they sleep, using our St. Cassiani Choir CDs, which you can acquire through our Archdiocese website or your parish bookshop. Teach them how to use a prayer rope and give them one to keep and wear. Teach them how to recite the Jesus Prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. At each knot, the prayer needs to be recited. As they lie down in bed praying, they feel comforted, protected and loved. What more can a parent ask for? A good routine creates good habits, but it also requires time. All these changes won't happen overnight. They might take months. Be patient and kind with one another. And most of all, be patient with yourself. Parenting is one of the most challenging jobs in the world, and there is no one right way. You are all doing an amazing job, even when you don't think so. Christ is risen from the dead trampling down death by death, and to those in the tombs bestowing life. Amen. Thank you, Khuriye, for that inspiring message. I'm sure we have all taken away so much that we can implement ourselves in our lives today. 
And now, a series of readings from the Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment. Untimely talk sometimes provokes hatred in those who listen, sometimes when they note the folly of our words, abuse and derision. Sometimes it denies our conscience, or else brings upon us God's condemnation, and worst of all, causes us to offend against the Holy Spirit. Saint Philotheos of Sinai God, who before all ages set the bounds of each man's life, in the manner which he wills, leads every man, whether righteous or unrighteous, towards the final end he deserves. Saint Maximus the Confessor. Spiritual freedom is released from the passions. Without Christ's mercy, you cannot attain it. Saint Thalassios the Libyan. On May 29 in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the martyrs Theodosia of Tyre and Theodosia of Constantinople, Hieromata Olivian, Bishop of Aeneos, and those with him. On this day, the sixth Sunday of Pascha, we celebrate the miracle wrought by our Lord and God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, upon the man who was blind from his birth. O Light of Light, most perfect and light provider, on the blind from birth, O word, eyes you bestowed. The Saviour met this man, born blind and incurable, after every human effort, while leaving the temple on the Sabbath. Saints John Chrysostom, Basil the Great and Arrhenius teach that the man was born without eyeballs. Jesus spat into the dirt, made clay, rubbed in it his eye sockets, and told him to wash in the pool of Siloam, a famous water spring in Jerusalem. The Saviour did not send him there because his eye sockets were filled with clay, nor did the pool have healing power, but instead to test his faith and obedience. Jesus fashioned the eyes of the blind man from the dirt as God fashioned man from the dirt. The blind man proclaimed that Jesus healed him, but this confession caused him to be cast out by the enemies of the truth. Even his own parents would not defend him. However, the blind man follows Jesus from that moment forward. By thine infinite mercy, O Christ our God, giver of light, have mercy on us. Amen. Did you know that confession is central to the life of an Orthodox Christian? Stay tuned to find out more. In
confession is central to the life of an Orthodox Christian. But what exactly is confession? We are offered a clue in this short saying from the Desert Fathers. A young monk said to the great ascetic, Abba Sesios, Abba, what should I do? I fell. The elder answered, Get up. The monk said, I got up and I fell again. The elder replied, Get up again. But the young monk asked, For how long should I get up when I fall? Until your death, answered Abba Sesios. What can we take from this story? Perhaps the most important point is that confession is not simply the verbalization of one's sins, but also involves a life of continual repentance. A life of repentance is one where we reorient ourselves away from sin and move towards God. Just like us, the young monk in the story continued to fall into sin, despite his best efforts. Rather than despairing, the monk sought the guidance of an elder, who instructed him to keep getting up again, that is, to keep repenting and confessing his sins, and to keep reorienting himself towards God. Similarly, when we inevitably fall into sin, the Church offers us the mystery of confession, which was established by Christ himself, as we see in the Gospels. In the Gospel according to John, Christ gives his disciples the authority to forgive sins, saying, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Orthodox Church is an apostolic church, meaning that we have preserved this chain of authority, which was given to the disciples throughout the generations through the office of the priesthood. When we go to confession, the priest prays an absolution over us once we have confessed our sins, which is how they exercise this authority. And yet, the priest is not the one who forgives sin. In the Gospels, we see the Pharisees objecting to Christ forgiving the sins of those he heals, saying, only God can forgive sins, not knowing that Christ is God. For this reason, confession takes place before the icon of Christ. The priest is an advocate for us before Christ, asking for our forgiveness. We must therefore remember that although it may be embarrassing for us to confess our weaknesses and faults before a priest, he is not listening to our sins as a judge, but is in fact a servant of the lover of mankind, who does not wish death for us, but repentance so that he may find life. Consequently, a priest is not an authority in a sense that they are a judge in a courtroom where sin is treated like a crime. Rather, they may be seen as spiritual physician or a counsellor who seeks to heal us. And just like we may have to share embarrassing details with a doctor who seeks to heal the body, so too must we make ourselves vulnerable before our spiritual doctors so that our souls may be healed of sin. Just like Abba Sisyos in the story, the priest can offer us guidance, wisdom and encouragement on our spiritual journey. And now a reading from our Orthodox Library. An Incident on the Road 
Late one evening, we were sitting in the little wooden parish house, all covered in snow, in the village of Borovic, sipping tea with Father Nikita. Outside, a bitter frost of 30 degrees below zero Celsius was drawing cracks in all our windows. It was past 11 o'clock at night, but nobody wanted to go to sleep. Why don't we go visit our little elder Victor in Tolbitsi? Father Raphael suggested. Naturally, I was overjoyed to agree to his suggestion that we visit our little elder Victor, the most cheerful fellow in the world. Father Nikita refused to drive with us as he wanted to stay home and record all the songs of Father Alexander onto the cassette tape recorder that I was planning to take with me to Moscow. Alexander was helping him and therefore also didn't want to go with us. Ilya Delinovich, the possessed, was reading the Psalter and had no reaction whatsoever to our idea. Father Raphael went outside to warm up the motor of his doty Zaporozhets and to turn on the heater, which in a Zaporozhets works separately from the main motor. When we were ready to go, the temperature in the car was such a sauna that Father Raphael and I set off only in our cassocks and raced off in his black Zaporozhets to see the little elder Victor. We had a drive ahead of us of about 60 kilometers. It was a very frosty starry night. We raced along, lighting up the snow with our headlights, now and then skidding around the turns. The summer tires of the Zaporozhets had been worn out even in the summer, and there was no replacing them. In spite of the lateness of the hour, our little elder received us with his usual good cheer. We sat down to his feast of white bread with jam and chatted merrily till about two in the morning. None of us had to serve the liturgy that morning, and so we were not afraid that we might sleep late for once. Finally, we set off to go home. When I stepped outside in nothing but my cassock, I nearly froze to death. The bitter cold had become even more bitter. We decided not to even wait until the inside of the car had warmed up and flew homeward towards Borovic. But for some reason, the heater wouldn't turn on at all. The frost seemed to bite quite through us. Several times, Father Raphael stopped us and tried to do something with that cursed heater, but in vain. If he had driven like a madman before, now from the cold he was racing as fast as he possibly could. And so we drove on down the desolate road in an icy black freezer, shivering and champing our teeth from the cold. Suddenly, our Zaporozhets wildly swung off to the side of the road. Father Raphael, now rigid from the cold, could do nothing to stop the skidding of the car along the ice into a rutted snowdrift. And so we flew into a ditch, raising a cloud of snow. The car did not turn over, but it sunk deeply on all sides into the snow. It was only with great difficulty that we could open the doors and crawl outside. The Zaporozhets was two metres off the road and covered in snow up to its windows. We could immediately see that there was no way we would be able to drag the car back out by ourselves. Our situation was becoming more desperate by the minute. We were standing at three o'clock in the morning on an absolutely desolate and desolate country road wearing nothing but our cassocks in a frost of 35 degrees below zero Celsius. There was no place to walk to. The nearest village was 15 kilometers away. If we were lucky, the first cars were likely to pass no sooner than six o'clock in the morning. As I realized all this, I became truly scared. Father, I exclaimed shivering throughout from fear as well as from the bitter cold. How could it be? We will die like this. Maybe we ought to pray somehow. But what should we ask for? Lord help us drag our car from the snow? Somehow it doesn't sound right. Father Raphael suddenly looked at me so severely that for a second I forgot about the cold. 
Shame on you, Georgi Alexandrovich, he said indignantly. Father Raphael always called me by my secular first name and patronymic my name before ordination. How can you possibly doubt that the Lord will not aid us in such a moment? Pray for help at once. All this was said with such infuriated and demanding passion that he even stamped his foot and I obediently crossed myself and began to murmur awkwardly. Lord help us, do something or we will freeze to death and perish here. Father Raphael also crossed himself and then immersed himself in prayer. And suddenly, at first from a distance, and then ever and ever more clearly, we heard the divine singing of some kind of motor. From utter surprise and astonishment, I was quite petrified. I would like to repeat and emphasize that neither on the way to Father Victor's nor on our return home had we seen so much as even one automobile. Father Raphael and I exchanged glances and I realized that he was no less astonished than I was. The sound of the motor grew and grew, and finally from around the corner, a Moskvich sedan came puttering up. We waved our arms like madmen and the car stopped. In hearing our prayer, the Lord had sent four angels to save us in the incarnation of four drunken officers returning home from some party. With great effort, the six of us together managed to drag out our Zaporozhets from the snow and back onto the road. Father Raphael poured out some gasoline for the officers from his jerry can. It turned out that they had been almost completely out of gas. With all our hearts, we thanked these soldiers and they thanked us. And then we drove as carefully as we could back home to Bodovic. We were so struck by what had happened that we were silent for most of the way home. Finally, Father Raphael said, Now you can see, Georgi Alexandrovich, how quickly the Lord hears the prayers of simple lay people. By this he meant that the Lord had saved us because of my prayers. As always, Father Raphael was modest and never lost an opportunity to be humble. Or maybe by now he felt all too profoundly the truth that humility is the only reliable fulcrum of real spiritual life. After this little trip, I caught a really nasty cold and spent three days lying on top of Father Nikita's big Russian-style brick stove. But Father Raphael didn't even sneeze. Not even once. Wow, what another great instalment of the Divine Lantern. Thank you all for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, which I'm sure you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends and family. We can all take away so much spiritual nourishment each week from these amazing talks. We'll catch you guys next week. Yeah.